Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Kenneth. This is my beautiful wife, Amanda. And it's our great pleasure to welcome you here to New Life Nazarene Church here in Seattle, Washington. Um, pretty sure by all the rain we've received, I'm pretty sure this is Seattle, Washington. Um, I'm looking forward to going back to California, the Central Coast, our home church. Um, but uh, it's our great pleasure to be with you here in Seattle. Um, but anyways, much props to all of you who have made it out here an hour early. Good job. You, you, you deserve a round of applause for that. You braved the cold and the rain and all the storms that we've had here on the Central Coast. We need the water. I'm glad Lopez is filling up. But anyways, uh, all, all jokes aside, it's our great pleasure to welcome you here today. If you're new, we want to connect with you. So please, after service, stop by Connection Central. We have two in the lobby and one outside. We have a gift for you if you're new. And um, it's, you know, we're excited for this awesome opportunity to worship God. How about you guys? Right? Yes. Never take that for granted. You know, we live on Tally Ho. And I don't know if you guys saw the saw the, the devastation on Tally Ho. Thankfully, we live on the other side of the street. Uh, I've never been so thankful to live on the other side of the street. Um, but um, so so just my heart is heavy this, this morning. I'm praying for those people that were affected, been flooded for the second time in just a matter of two months, you know, and uh, just really... Just really thankful that I'm even able to be here today and that my home is dry and that we're all well and we're all, we're all here. So, so many things to be thankful for. Absolutely. Um, we have a couple things we just want to point out for you today. One is you have pizza with the pastor. After our second service today, you might have seen out in the lobby some cute like Italian style table set up. Um, we'd love for you to join us if you want to get to know Pastor David, our pastors, uh, team and their hearts and who they are as people and their love for the Lord. They're awesome. Um, and you can get to know them a little bit better and enjoy some yummy food and some fellowship while you're doing that. And then the other thing is the last installment of our prayer journals are outside on your way out after service. You'll notice them in the baskets on your way out. It's uh, volume three, but there's also volume two. So if you missed out on volume two, you can grab one of those. No problem in grabbing it and reading scripture and praying, even if it's not the day it's supposed to be on, you can catch up. Um, so grab one of those or grab two of those if you need them. Um, anyway, now I invite you to stand up and join us. We get to worship God. But first, will you turn to your neighbor and say, congratulations for making it on time. I'm proud of you.
We're singing a new song that we're also gonna sing on Easter. This is gonna be a song of declaration. And I know so many of us are in a valley right now, it seems. So many of us are wandering in the wilderness, wondering when is it all gonna end? When is the Lord gonna bless me? When is the Lord gonna come through for me? When will the prayers be answered? And I just wanna reflect on the song we just sang before we sing this next song. Fear, sickness, heartbreak, and death are not our future. Our future is kingship with the Lord. It's kinship with the Lord. It's family and it's fellowship and it's worship to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. He is our future and our hope comes from him. And so when we go back to the beginning of the story, when God puts his breath, the Hebrew word for that is ruach, into our lungs, he breathes into us so that we can shout praise back to him. We went through that, Brother Larry, in a time of worship on Monday night, last Monday was saying that I've got breath in my lungs and I know that it's my duty to praise my King because it's his breath, it's not my breath. And so this next song starts off simply saying, I'm gonna sing till my heart starts changing. I'm gonna worship till I mean every word because the way I feel and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve. This song is a song of declaration and worship that reminds us to worship our King who is worthy of our praise even when we don't feel like it. It's not about what you feel. It's about what he's due, amen? And so we're gonna lift him up this morning. We're gonna praise his name this morning because he's worthy of our praise. Let's sing this song.
breath is in our lungs? And would we ever choose to worship you with that air that you have given us? God, you deserve it. You deserve to be enthroned upon the praises of your people. And so we declare that you are worthy of our song, that fear is not our future. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless us, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What a powerful time of worship this morning. Can we just give God some praise? And um, turn to the person next to you and just claim he is so worthy. <laughs> and I just love those words. Fear is not our future. He is. And um, I'm thinking... I would love a billboard of that. Like every time I get ready to leave my house, like fear is not our future. God is our future. So I think I might get my husband to build me a billboard in our front yard. But I just love that as such a reminder. And um, I would love just to continue with worship this morning and invite our ushers forward to receive our offering. And I just wanted to check in this morning and see how everybody is doing in this Lent season. And um, if you have given something up for Lent, I just want to encourage you, if it is feeling hard right about now, I just encourage you to pray and to see why God had you give that up. And um, I'm a little embarrassed to share what I gave up, but we're all family, right? So um, I gave up, um, no, I did not give up food. I gave up playing Candy Crush on my phone. If you, okay, <laughs> yeah. if you don't know what Candy Crush is, it's a little game that you can play that actually crushes candy. And um, I have been doing that for years as a way to kind of unwind at the end of the day. And um, I thought it was good rest, but I have been just so convicted with the messages from Pastor David and Pastor Gina on rest and on being still. And um, also, what a huge time sucker that is, as um, I have so many hours in the evening now, and I realize that I have always given my morning to God, but it, wow, I have so been convicted to give my evening also. So if you are in that period of time right now, and you're wondering, why did I give up cheesecake or this or that? Please seek God, because I'm telling you, he will so encourage you. And as we get um, closer, we're about halfway through Lent, we know we have the promise of Easter, and Easter's coming. And with that, and being a huge church family, we have the opportunity to just welcome in so many people and let them know about Jesus. And to do that well, we need help serving. And we have three services for Easter morning. We have 8 a.m., there is not any childcare during the 8 a.m. because that's early, but there is coffee. So come come for the 8 a.m. and then we have 9.15, nope, 9.30, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11.15 are our service times. And we encourage you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your family to come with you. And we also encourage you to serve. So maybe you can serve one service and come the next and sit with your loved ones. But we have lots of opportunities. And you know me, I love to talk about serving. So don't be scared if I approach you. But come to the Connection Central. Go online. There are so many different things. There is parking crew. There is 
um, putting donut holes in a cup, that sounds like a good time. There's greeting, there's ushering, and our biggest need is our kids' ministry. And they are going to be having such a great time. It would be a great time to see what they do. So if you would like to serve, um, please sign up or please grab somebody after service, and we will share all the different opportunities. So as we get ready to dive into God's word, we each week have been having somebody from our new, our new life family pray the Lord's prayer over us. And today we're going to have Terry and it's going to look a little different as he prays. He's actually going to sing the Lord's prayer over us. So would you just take a moment, close your eyes and just receive what God has for you. chart in Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. 
Well, if you're gathered at home because you got up a little bit late or because of the weather or you're gathered here, can you bow your heads and let's pray and just ask God to open up his word to us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have come not to um, hear my message, but to hear from you. God, so as we open up your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to us. May you bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. May you bring hope where there is sorrow. May you bring strength where there is weakness. May you bring peace where there is chaos. We are here. Your servants are listening. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Luke. Luke is one of the Gospels where we learn about the life, teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He is the Son of God. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be in verses 1 and 2. It's one of the several areas where we find uh, the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna be, I'm going to be jumping around. Not every passage will be on the screen today, but I will be sharing with you uh, several passages that I think will help us in our conversation today. Luke chapter 11, verses one and two says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to them, to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We've been in this series on prayer and, um, you know, I love our New Life family and I love when people come up and they have questions about scripture. But uh, several of you, um, I get nervous sometimes when you come up and ask me about scripture because some of you are just, man, you are biblical scholars and, and you approach the question kind of uniquely. Um, and one of those individuals is, is my friend David. And I saw David at, at Brunch and Bibles. Um, he's also David. I'm not just repeating my name. But, uh, but David comes comes up to me at Brunson Bible and said, Pastor, I have a test for you. The moment you hear that, you're like, oh no. Like, like, like oh, oh, oh no, this, this isn't gonna be good. And David simply says this. He says, what is the purpose of prayer? He knows we're in this prayer series and I, he says, what is the purpose of prayer? And, and we began to dialogue about it. And, and really, I want you to hear kind of the answer in, in two different ways. The first is communion with God. When we say our father, what we're saying is we get to enter into relationship with God. We get to enter into communion with God. And so one aspect of prayer is that we have communion with God. We have fellowship with him. We have conversation with him. And what's so fascinating about this is we have fellowship with one who we call father, but we also call holy. And so it's really important for us to understand that tension that you get to enter into relationship with one who there's this intimate, deep relationship you can have with the one who is awesome and great and holy. And so I never want us to lose that perspective. And sometimes we get too comfortable with God and he's just our buddy. No, God is our father, but he also is holy. And so we have to live with that tension. So when you approach God in prayer and as Jesus has taught us how to pray, we need to have that framework that God is both holy and also father. But the second area of prayer is the one that David was actually trying to, to get me to lean into, and I agree with him 100%, that prayer is also the alignment of our heart with the heart of God. 
It is time when we willingly surrender, when we willingly declare that God is Father, which means that he has authority in our lives, that he is holy, which means that he has a perspective that we don't have, and it requires us communing with him so that our heart, which isn't always aligned with the heart of God, comes into alignment with the heart of our Father. And one of the things I began to think about as I was processing this was, what are the things that are aligning your heart throughout the week? You know, here we are in this season of Lent, and there's so many things that, that, that we have willingly chosen to fast because, quite honestly, our hearts were more aligned with those things than they were with the heart of God. What are the things that are vying for that attention or attempting to align your heart to it? Well, one thing is just this world. The things of this world, the kingdom of this world, the, the things that, that are a part of this world, they desire for you to align your heart to those things. They want to say, hey, you know what? God is not the source of life. This is the source of life. So align your heart to that. Sin. You're like, why would I align my heart to sin? I don't know, but we do. We align our heart to sin and we align our heart to the things that we wanna do that are not things that God has called us to. We line our things to, that want to vie for our attention and our affection and our worship. And for whatever reason, we begin to align our hearts to the things of sin. We align our hearts to other people over and above God. Sometimes that's infatuation that we have with certain individuals. Sometimes it's really good intentions. Like I need to be careful that I don't align my heart to my children over and above God, I know that sounds weird to some of you because you're like, why would you ever? No, it's so easy for me to put the needs of my children over and above the alignment to my heart of God and I will never parent my children well if my heart isn't first aligned with God. I will never be the spouse that I wanna be if my heart isn't first aligned with God. I will never be the pastor that he has called me to be if my heart isn't first aligned with his or situations and circumstances. Some of us have walked in, we just sang that, that song, you're worthy of our song. You deserve it regardless of my circumstance or situation. But I know that there are those that are walking in here today and your heart is more aligned with a circumstance and more aligned with a situation in your life than it is with the heart of God. And so that fear, that hopelessness, that lack of peace comes from that alignment to those things rather than the heart of God. And so over the last month or so, you, you remember we, we've been kind of throwing this word out there periodically, uh, that, that word Maranatha, which basically means come Lord Jesus. And I was thinking about it because I think when we say that and we're in these situations, what we're often saying is, God, would you just take me out of this situation? Would you, would you kind of rip me out of this situation? So when many people say Maranatha, it is an escapism mentality. But what I wanna suggest to you today that not only that phrase, but also based on the Lord's prayer, that we shouldn't be people of escapism, that we are people who invite the presence of God into our situation. That when we cry out Maranatha, we're not saying God, Lord Jesus come so I can go somewhere else. We're saying Lord Jesus come so that your kingdom can come to this situation. 
It is a different way of looking at it, but I think it's a more biblical and powerful way. We're saying, God, we know that your judgment is going to set this world to rights. We know, God, that you are going to restore this world. We know that you have the power to bring into this situation to make your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this isn't a new concept. This is something that you see down throughout the history of the church. In fact, there's a missionary named E. Stanley Jones, and he was a missionary during World War II. And I want you to listen to what he said. I mean, you've got war going on. You've got, you've got difficult economic situations. You've got people who are grieving the loss of loved ones. And I want you to hear his perspective. He says this. The early Christians did not say in dismay, look what the world has come to. Let me stop right there because I feel like that is so relevant for today. It's like, I think it's easy as Christians to say, what in the world is the world coming to? This is so much, like this spoke to me so much. He, they did not say in dismay, look what the world has come to, but in delight, look what has come to the world. The early Christians saw not merely the ruin, but the resource for the reconstruction of that ruin. They saw not merely that sin did abound, but that grace did much more abound. On that assurance, the pivot of history swung from blank despair, loss of moral nerve, and fatalism to faith in confidence that at last sin has met its match. Can I get an amen? Woo! I wish I wish East Stanley Jones was here preaching today because that's good word, right? Like, like that is a good word. And I think it's so easy for us to be like, Maranatha, this world is just, and there's nothing we can do about it and there's nothing that's gonna happen and, and we just gotta deal with it and, and, and to be people of despair, but we were never called to be people of despair. We were called to be prisoners of hope. We are called to be individuals who, who look into this world and say, man, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here is the challenge. We pray safe prayers. We look at this world and we say, oh, God, could you kind of make things a little bit better? Like, like, like we had this tendency and when it comes to pray and praying like Jesus taught us to pray in this idea of thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are actually okay with this idea of prayer that says, you know what, it's about, you know, um, kind of, you know, having my quiet time in the morning. We're really good with praying kind of that because of that reason. We're good with praying for our meals, right? We sit down and, and we have a meal before us and we're like, I'm gonna pray for my meal. We're good with praying for uh, before we go into a meeting or a difficult situation and just kind of calming ourselves and saying, Jesus, would you just bring your peace upon me? We're really good with really safe kinds of prayers. But, but the reason we pray safe kinds of prayers is because we pray prayers to the Lord that, that keeps us from being disappointed by God or being surprised by God. Think about that for a moment. The reasons often we are comfortable with praying some safe prayers is because we're like, ah, but what if, if I pray this big prayer in faith, I might be disappointed. Well, what did I say that one of the primary purposes of prayer is? 
alignment with the heart of God. Alignment with the heart of God. And so let me remind you that many times in prayer, as you're praying big prayers, that many times what the Lord does, if he doesn't change the circumstances, that he changes you. And he aligns your heart with his heart. The second thing that sometimes people say, or, or the reason we're challenged when we pray safe prayers, is we say this, and, and I'm gonna correct some theology this morning. Um, people say, I don't have the spiritual gift of prayer. There is no such thing as a spiritual gift of prayer. Prayer is not for the spiritually elite. It is not a spiritual gift. Prayer is for everybody who follows Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Prayer is for everyone who follows Christ Jesus. The calling of prayer is not for the elite few, but it is for everyone. How do I know that? Because in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we are called the priesthood of believers, right? We are called a royal priesthood in 1 Peter chapter 2. And what do priests do? That doesn't mean that David is just a priest. We, as the body of Christ, are a royal priesthood, which means we stand in the gap between a holy God and a broken world. And the reason that Jesus taught us to pray this way is because he needs priests, not just David, but every single one of us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to pray. We are called to intercede. Let me ask you this. This, was, this had me on my face this week. I was reading a book, um, same book that um, Pastor Gina mentioned last week by Tyler Stanton. He says in that, he says in that book, he, he asked this question. If the Lord came to you right now and he said to you, I will say yes to every prayer that you prayed this last week. My assumption is that very little may actually change in your life, in your family, in this world. Whew. I was on the floor in conviction. Because I was like, you're right, God. When I go to you in prayer, I'm like, ah, if you could kind of make this a little bit better. But I'm like, God, why? Why do I pray such small prayers? Why do we pray like this? Many reasons. At some level, I think it's because we think that it's all dependent on us, on our authority, and we forget that when Jesus calls us to pray, he actually also calls us to pray in his name. It's how he taught us to pray. Now, let me be careful here because this is not some secret code. It's not as if you're typing in the cheat code for life and all of a sudden you just pray everything in Jesus' name and it's all, no, because it, there's alignment that happens. Alignment with the heart of God, alignment with God's will that takes place. 
And we need to understand that when Jesus invites us to pray in his name, the context for which he's inviting us to do that, and one of the things we, we recognize is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's, he's basically says this, it is good for me that I leave you. It's like the very first time that that breakup line is utilized, like it's not me, it's you, or it's not you, it's me, right? Like that's what it feels like. Hey, I've gotta go so that you can be better. And what Jesus tells them is that I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit at the right hand of the Father and I am going to be interceding on your behalf and I'm gonna send to you my Holy Spirit. And when he says that, he also reminds his disciples that because you will now be empowered by my Holy Spirit, that you will do even greater things than I have done. Now there it does not get much greater than raising people from the dead. So this does not mean more spectacular, but what it does mean is that there will be a Holy Spirit empowered body of Christ that will be um, dispersed throughout this land that will be praying the same prayers that Jesus would pray which is thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven there is the ministry of intercession and way too often and, and I love to pray for people we're going to be talking about intercessory prayer I love to pray for people it's so good but, but here's what I want to be very careful of and you're going to hear me saying this phrase again and again because again this was another one of those like flat on my face moments over the last several weeks where the Lord was just speaking to me New Life specifically, not Capital C Church, although I would say Capital C Church as well, but New Life specifically. We, I want New Life to be known for our people, not our pastor. There's way too many times, and I, specifically in our community, and I love the pastors in our community, but I hear people say all the time, oh, we go to, we go to this person's church, and we go to that person's church, we go to this person. No, you go to Jesus' church. And, and what, what, what we do is we circumvent our responsibility as a priesthood of believers, a royal priesthood, to the pastor. So the pastor becomes the one that prays and intercedes, but the people are like, I'll just tell the pastor and let, let him or her do the work. That's not biblical. We are the people of God. We are a royal priesthood and God has filled you with his spirit and he has, you're gonna pray bold prayers in, in, in areas that I will never pray bold prayers in, mostly because I don't even know about the situation. And so we are, in essence, we are keeping God from moving when we kind of say, oh, well, it's just that person has a spiritual gift. There. Now, are there people who pray and really just, all, like they pray and I'm like, man, I wish I could pray. Like, yeah, I'm jealous sometimes. But that doesn't mean that I'm not called. What did we say uh, two weeks ago? God isn't up there grading your essays. He's listening to his child. What are the prayers that you are bringing to the Lord. And how do we bring those prayers in Jesus' name? Or why do we bring them in Jesus' name? Well, it's not just, again, it's not a cheat code sentence, but it's the authority in the authority of Jesus. 
you stand as a son or a daughter of the most high God in the authority of Jesus. So you stand in the authority of what Jesus has done, his life, death, and resurrection. So the fact that he has conquered sin and death, you stand in that authority. You also stand in the authority of what he has recovered, which is your identity in him. You see, in Genesis chapter one and two, you have an identity as one who has, has been called to, to have dominion over creation. You are a co-creator with God as you have dominion over creation. But in Genesis chapter three, that is broken and lost. What Jesus does is he recovers your identity as a son or a daughter of the most high God. And when we place our faith in him, we step into that authority. So you alone have no authority, but you and Jesus have authority. And so he has called us he has called us to pray in that authority. How do I know this? John chapter 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Remember, it's not you, it's me, but I'll send you the Holy Spirit. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Some of you are like, woo, that's awesome. That's about alignment. It's not the cheat code to get everything that I want. It is about alignment to the heart of the Father and alignment to the authority of what Jesus is doing and alignment to his kingdom. John chapter 15, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So what that tells me is that when we pray prayers of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it's an alignment with our Father, we should see fruit to those prayers. We should see fruit to those prayers around us. Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 11 basically say the same thing, but we'll read it this way. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. These are the words of Jesus to his sons and daughters, and yet we pray safe prayers. Or we don't pray at all. We don't even step into that moment or that prayer closet to pray prayers because we're like, ah, but what if I'm disappointed? Or but what if God surprises you? What if he moves in such a way that it grows your faith, that aligns your heart with him? There's another area where sometimes I'm fearful of praying prayers. Maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't. But sometimes I'm fearful of my own agenda. Sometimes I'm afraid that, God, is my heart really aligned with you? Have I really aligned my heart? There's a story in Acts chapter eight, a gentleman named Simon the Sorcerer, Simon Magnus, and basically he sees the disciples healing powerfully. and He's like, oh, I want that power. But he wants it for all the wrong reasons. That's why communion with God, that's why it be, the prayer begins, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There needs to be alignment to the Father before we pray prayers of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when there is alignment to the heart of the Father, God says, I wanna open up my floodgates so that I can move in this 
world. So, what have we been talking about up to this point? If you're not a you know, regular churchgoer, maybe this is new to you, there's a fancy theological term called intercessory prayer. If I can give you a short, easy definition, the most simple, it's praying for others. Let me say it that way, praying for others. And in this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's that moment where we get to step into that authority that Jesus has given us, that identity that Jesus has given us and intercede on behalf of a world and friends and people that we know who are experiencing the brokenness and sinfulness and disease infested world that we live in and pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if the simple, the simple definition is praying for others, I wanna give you the David definition that the Lord just impressed upon my heart. So that's the simple definition. Here's the David definition. Rebellious prayers of love. Rebellious prayers of love. When I think of intercessory prayer, when I think of praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think of this idea of rebellious prayers of love. And this idea of rebellious, Karl Barth actually kind of sums up kind of the heartbeat here. He says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. Come on, right? Like when we go to God in prayer, when we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are a part of a, a sacred uprising against the disorder, against the sickness, against the war, against the evil of this world. You have a calling and it is a calling to intercede. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray prayers, we get to rebel against sickness. We get to rebel against disease. We get to rebel against sin. We get to rebel against chaos. We get to rebel against broken relationships. And say, God, would, you, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in this situation? We also are called to love. Richard Foster says this. If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Intercession is an act, a sacrificial act of love. And if you have ever interceded for somebody, and, God, and you're in a season of waiting or you haven't seen God's kingdom come into that situation yet, you know sometimes it is a painful, sacrificial act of love. In fact, if you're familiar with Philippians chapter two, it's one of the frameworks that I love to utilize for this idea of praying for others or intercessory prayer where Jesus, it talks about Jesus humbling himself and becoming a servant. When you're an intercessor, when you're praying for others, you are a servant. You're praying God's kingdom to come into that person's life. And I have prayed and I have wept for situations and said, God, 
Where are you in this? How long, oh Lord, I've lamented in intercessory prayer. I've taken my broken heart over somebody who's a prodigal, who's wandering away from faith and said, God, would you move in their life? It is not an easy road. But here is what we get to do. We get to pray these prayers that say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then our heartbeat is that we get to disperse the resources of heaven on earth. I, I can't remember the shows, but I remember growing up as a kid watching people win. First of all, I know that Toys R Us doesn't like exist anymore. But I remember watching kids at Toys R Us and they'd go on this, this toy shopping spree for free. Like they'd get to like get whatever they want, right? And so they could go. And I began, like I would lay up at night sometimes thinking, if I got the Toys R Us shopping spree, Right? <laughs> How would I like, how would I get everything in my arm and like in one leg and like hop and like get as much as possible, right? Like I began to think like, how would I actually do that? And here's what I wanna encourage you about in terms of intercessory prayer. When we enter into the, the throne room of heaven and we're, and we're interceding, God's aligning our heart and reminding, of, uh, reminding us of the resources of heaven. And we get to gather up those resources and we get to take them into our world and into our lives and into our relationships and to begin to disperse those resources to those who are in need. We get to say, God, I want you to move your resources in this marriage. I want you to move your resources in this relationship. I want you to move these resources into that hospital room where that person is on life support. I want you to move your resources into these places. And yet we sit back and we say, hey, let's just pray for our food today. Or this is just about calming myself. Or this is just about repeating a memorized prayer and just repeating the words, but not the intent behind the words. Church, this is the calling of every one of us. There are situations that are coming to your mind right now that you know about in your life, in your friends' lives, in our city, in our world, there are health situations. There are prodigals that are wandering. There are people who are far from God. When was the last time that you prayed a bold prayer and said, God, I need your kingdom to come and your will to be done in this person, in this situation, in this place? It is a labor of love. It is allowing God to do something in us when we don't see the exact results that we want, but they may be the results that God is moving forward. We'll talk about that next week. Persistent prayers. What happens when God says no? We'll talk about that. Don't worry, we're getting there. But some of us are so afraid of what he, that he might say no that we never actually ask in the first place. And he has invited us to ask in his authority and in his name. So the team's gonna come and we're gonna spend a couple of moments here this morning. 
And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, more so just because I don't want you being distracted by looking around. And I want you to think of four areas specifically in, in your life where you could be praying for others or praying for situations that you know are going on in other people's lives. And the first area is this. Where are areas that you want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done through breakthrough? Where do you wanna see breakthrough? What do I mean by breakthrough? I mean, where do you wanna see prodigals come home? Where do you wanna see people who are far from God come into a deeper relationship with God? And let me encourage you, when I pray for people to come, for prodigals to come home and for people to come into relationship with God, I pray not only that they would come into salvation, but they would be filled with the spirit that they'd be set on fire, that God would utilize their gifts in ministry. Like, like don't, don't stop short. Where do you need someone to see breakthrough in terms of an addiction in their life? Where do you need to see, where, where do you need to pray for breakthrough? The second area is where do you need to pray for healing? It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be mental. Where do you wanna see God's healing take place in somebody's life? Where can you pray for the local and global community? Some of, I, I do it all the time. I'm like, Lord, how in the world are we gonna do anything about the exploitation of children? How are we gonna do anything about poverty? How are we gonna do anything? And God says, well, align to my heart and begin to ask and allow me to empower you. And the third area is relationships. What marriages do you need to be interceding for? What parent-child relationships do you need to be interceding for? What friendships do you need to be interceding for? And when you came in, you got those cards, and there's more that are actually up here. And we spent some time as our, our, our team on Thursday gathers at 9 a.m. and here for prayer. And so we walk through this exercise as a way of just kind of leading in it. And I want you to think through those four areas. And if the Lord brings an intercessory prayer to your mind, I want you to write down that person's first name or you can um, be specific. I do, I do wanna encourage you to try to be um, somewhat specific if you can. Obviously, in some situations you can. But if you can be specific, um, not using last names, but just write those down. And as the team sings, I wanna and leads us in a final song of worship, I want you to bring those forward and I want you to lay them on the altars down here. And if you want to, you can stay. You don't have to go back to your seat because I'm gonna close with prayer, but this is what is probably the most important. These are gonna stay on here for the next several weeks. And during our times of worship, I want you to practice Intercessory prayer is, a, is like a muscle you have to work, right? That you have to strengthen. So I want you to practice in our coming weeks that during our time of worship or before worship even begins, get here early or stay afterwards. And I want you to come forward and I want you to begin interceding for these situations that you read about. I want you to lay hands on these situations. Nothing mystical or magical about that, but there's something um, good about physically and tangibly putting ourselves in a position to pray on the behalf of others to pray rebellious prayers of love. It might be the most, as I said before, it might be one of the greatest ways that we can love neighbors ourselves is to intercede, is to cry out for the resources of the heaven to come into somebody's life.
so I'm going to open us in this time of worship with prayer. And as the team sings, you're invited to come forward to lay those prayers here. If you want to stay and pray over them, you can. If you want to return to your seat at this time, you can. But let's intercede for others. Let's be a people who truly are a royal priesthood. Heavenly Father, may you open up the resources of heaven. May you hear the cries of your children and the prayers of your children. For thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Can 
recovered identity that he did for us and so we stand as sons and daughters of yours and we cry out to you God and we first and foremost say God align our hearts to your heart give us kingdom eyes to see this world infuse your passion in our heart give us minds that think with the mind of Christ so that the same prayers that we pray would be the same prayers that Jesus would pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we drive back the curse of sin and we drive back disease and we drive back war and we drive back broken relationships and we drive back mental illness we drive it back because it is not a part of your kingdom we pray in Jesus Imagine that these prayers, these cards will be tear drenched in the coming weeks as we pray and as we intercede and we believe and trust that we will see you move. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God this morning? Hallelujah. Would you stand with me?
installment of our prayer journal is available so you can pick that up. It's actually all bound together all the weeks. If you miss some of those weeks, you can pick that up as you leave. Also, if you are new to New Life and would love to know more about where the Lord is leading us and who we are, Pizza with Pastor will so the pastor will happen right after um, the second service. And so we invite you back to that. As you go, may you go as a priesthood of believers, a royal priesthood. And may you declare wherever you go, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.